so uh, today, the pursuit of heaven in 2024, the pursuit of heaven, what is heaven pursuing? I think if we've got plans and aspirations for 2024, it should be aligned with what is heaven's pursuit. What is our heaven's aspirations and what's important to heaven? And uh, before we kind of dig fully into the this, I just want to share kind of a pastoral nugget um, to encourage us, and then I want to talk about the pursuit of heaven in 2024. But uh, pastoral nugget, what do I mean by that? I just want to encourage you and just kind of remind us of some basics. In fact, we just sang it. You are good, good, oh, oh. It is so important to remember that God is good. And, and, and I know that sounds so simple, and it is. It's not complicated. But how many of you know so much of our failure to have a vibrant, robust prayer life, relationship with God, seeking him, seeking his word, digging into the scripture, being faithful in that compartment, boils down often to, in our heart, forgetting how good he is. I had an experience the other morning as I was uh, going through my morning, and uh if I can say it this way, it was kind of like I didn't feel like praying. <laughs> That's a horrible thing for a pastor to admit, right? But how many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you just don't feel like praying. You just feel like, can I just have a break today? I just feel like staying in my pajamas and chilling, okay? And, uh, and, and as I was praying, there was something, I mean, I'm not praying, as I was showering. You know, this is getting a little graphic, but anyways. As I was showering, th- just the reality came to me. Of the testimonies that I have seen of praying, discerning the will of God, contending and praying for that, and seeing it come to pass. And just the reminder, God is faithful. I want to say that to you, Paul. God is faithful in prayer. I know we were talking beforehand, but with regards to his wife, let's contend in prayer. God is faithful uh, to as, as we grab a hold of God's will and continue to press in and p- believe it and trust for it, we see results. And I just saw that in, in the shower, and it just like I bolstered my desire to pray again. And can I be real with you? It's almost like that's selfish. You know what I'm saying? I I I, I don't believe, selfishness is not good, but there's something about our heart that needs to know that there is good for me in seeking his face. Sure, I may go through some stuff as I follow Jesus, but the ultimate testimony of trusting in Jesus is good. And the ultimate result of everything else is not. In an eternal sense. And so, here's the reality, guys. God has good plans for 2024. For us in 2024. To walk in those plans... We must trust him. You can't follow the plans of God without trusting him. So to walk in those plans, we must trust him. To trust him, we must remember in our core believer that he is good. Let that be kind of like a a banner over your year, over our year, that God is good. He is good. And let that fire your pursuit of digging into his word, seeking his face, seeking him in prayer, obeying him, yielding yourself to him. You know, Jesus trusted 
God by believing in God's goodness, specifically God's love. John 5, 19, I just want to read a few scriptures real quick to us. John 5, 19, then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees his father do for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. That's trust, right? I'm only, I'm not going to do anything else. I, want, I need to know that your father, you're doing it. That's trust. But how could Jesus trust like that? If you look at the very next verse, for the father loves the son. That's how Jesus could trust him like that. There's something about knowing that you're loved. And you may say, well, that's great. Good for Jesus. What about me? Maybe you were abused as a child. Maybe, you were, maybe you've suffered something. Maybe you just don't feel that love. Can I just speak a, a scripture over us? This is what God says to you, Romans 5, verse 7. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Is that true? Most of us in here would struggle to die for somebody else, even if they're righteous. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before you even repented, while you were guilty, deserving of hell, Christ died for you. He is good. That's, the God, that's, that's who you're praying to. That's who you're seeking. He's good. You can trust him. We can trust him. Can I throw a, f- a few, a couple scriptures at us, uh, and, and then we'll get into the thing? And like you're going to say no. God's plans are good. His plans are good. I, I just said he's got plans for us in 2024. Jeremiah 29, 11, a very well-worn passage of scripture. Listen to this and receive it for yourself today. For I know, God says, the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Let that fuel your pursuit of him this year. Romans 8.28, another well-worn scripture. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I just want to point out, there is a variable there. God is definite. He is always working good. And he is able to make all things work together for the good of those who love him. What is loving God? What is love? That's the variable. Th- who's loving him? Well, I think in charismatic Christianity, you know, we all, we love the Lord and love the Lord and everything. But what is loving the Lord? It's sacrifice for him. It's trusting him. It's obeying him. That's what it means to love him. It's agape. It's, it's preferring him over me. How do we do that? By knowing he's good. I can yield myself sacrificially, trust myself. I can take leaps of faith that look like I am dying to do, I'm going to die for doing what you just told me to do. I'm risking it all. I can do that if I know he. All right, so a little nugget just to encourage us pastorally this morning as we begin this year, but I want to say his plans for 2024, um, uh, just to bring you into my heart, that in November of this past year, I started uh, every single day. And in fact, if you remember the the series that we did on uh, hearing God, most of you would know that every day I study I study the scripture. I write down some things of kind of what it says in my own words, but I write down anything that I feel God's speaking to me, even if it's Im- very impactful or if it's subtle. I, I write it down and then I pray, talk to God about it. Right. Every day 
for like days on end, as I would crack open the scripture, I would hear another verse basically saying the same thing. You can look at my little journal. It's like, the sa- what is God saying to me today? It's the same thing every day for like over a week. And uh, let me just read the scripture, one of the scriptures that would illustrate this. Luke 8, 1. Now it came to pass afterward that he, Jesus, went through every city and village preaching and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And every day, uh, what was sticking out to me is that whereas the church, we focus all on, like, our building, and this is where we are, and we try to get people to come in here, and that's awesome, and we need that, but Jesus was not limited to his one little location. It says he went into every village and city, and I began to realize God has called the local church to spread the gospel outside of itself into every place that it can find around its city. I believe in Metro Detroit, that would mean every Roseville, Brighton, Royal Oak, uh, Gross Point, downtown, midtown, shall we name more? Maybe. How about maybe? The, the, but every neighborhood, every workplace, some of you guys have hobbies and you get together with people around that, every social sphere, we should be going with the gospel in some way, shape, or form. In the love, not cramming the Bible down people's throats, not being some weird, flaky, whatever, connecting with people. And, and, and here's the dangerous thing that I want to let you guys know, is I'm praying about this every day, confessing it before the Lord, speaking it, declaring it, trusting for it. I want you to know that is seriously dangerous. Because God started speaking to us about going into the suburbs, and I started praying every day about it, and there's a venue that's now open to us there. We still are working out what all the plans are with it, but, but that's a huge thing. God started speaking to my heart about Cobbtown, Georgia, and I started praying every day, and now we're, like, directly involved there. I'm telling you God is going to do something with regards to what I just read to you. And I want to dare you to join me, to see and to open up your heart to what does Jesus want for the church? I believe that the pursuit of heaven in his life is still the same today. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. You ready? His plans for 2024. If you would open up with me to Luke chapter 15. Jesus's pursuit, the pursuit of heaven, it has not changed one iota in 2,000 years. As it was in the time of Jesus, his pursuit, the pursuit of the heart of heaven, is still 100% the same today for God's plans for us in 2024. And all of his plans link to the pursuit of his heart. And here are three elements of the, of the pursuit of God's heart. Are you ready? The first one is that fellowship is the pursuit of heaven. I'll explain more what I mean by that in just a minute. But fellowship, fellowship is the pursuit of heaven. Secondly, restored fellowship is what heaven celebrates. And thirdly, fellowship itself is the means of restored fellowship. So fellowship is the pursuit of heaven. Restored fellowship is what heaven celebrates. And fellowship is actually the means of restored fellowship. In 2024, I want to say that and please receive this for your own heart. 
God is pursuing fellowship with us. That's the first thing. God is pursuing fellowship with us. That's what, that's what he wants. Can I say something to kind of like bring clarity to what maybe what we're talking about here? So many of us in Christianity carry the burden, even subconsciously sometimes, that what God really wants is like for me to work. God wants me to like get this stuff done and accomplish this stuff or just carry this load or do this thing. God wants fellowship where there are no barriers between you and him, where you are completely open and, and he is already completely open with you and you become completely open and dependent on him and there is a free flow of intimacy for him to be God and you to be his, his people, right? That is the desire from that, from that place and that place alone comes the work comes what we do but if it comes from there it's bolstered by intimacy it's fueled by the grace of god it is in fact not even work it's rest that's the first thing is that god is pursuing fellowship with us but i want to say out of that god is calling us to pursue restored fellowship with lost people what do i mean by lost people i mean this i don't care if they go to a church a lost person, what we mean by that is somebody who is not following Jesus. Maybe they once did, and something has gotten into their inner core believer, and their perception of Jesus has been skewed, and they're no longer following him. Or maybe they've never really heard the gospel, or maybe they've heard the gospel and rejected the gospel. Maybe they go to church, maybe they don't go to church. But they're not following Jesus. That's what the lost person is. Jesus said that he had compassion for the multitudes because they were like sheep having no shepherd. In other words, they, had, they weren't following. You're lost. What's the antidote to being lost? Is following the shepherd. God is calling us to pursue restored fellowship with the lost. And so if you'll look with me in Luke chapter 15, I'm reading from the New King James Version, and we're going to look into... Uh, what I believe is critical to the, God, the Father, the God, Jesus' heart, heaven's heart, and, and as of today, our heart. Verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him, and the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. That right there alone is such an important passage of Scripture, and I just want to point out, that oftentimes the religious, do you know what I mean by the religious? I'm talking about people who are wearing the banner, wearing the name of Jesus and Christianity, but they're not actually following Jesus. They're playing the game. They're, they're, their heart is far from God, and they're not, the, re, those people, religious. And you know there's tons of religious people in church, in America and beyond, all over the world. Religious people tend to see sinners as it was said in verse 1, as like the enemy. And we don't associate with them. And whereas Jesus cuts right through that and does the exact opposite. Jesus is having fellowship with sinners. We think that we see, or religious people can see sinners as a threat to, the, to their morality and their, their morally superior culture. Jesus sees sinners as the pursuit of his love. Now, there, I believe there are two 
ditches that we can get into. One is that we can be like the Pharisees and scribes where we see, as I just said, the lost as like these enemy and we don't even have anything to do with them. Some of you may say, Paul, I'm around sinners all the time. But my question there is we can get into the other ditch and where it's just kind of like we have a you do you boo attitude and like, you know, we love the sinner and the sin. You know, we, 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 we have no problem with any of it. In other words, we're not having fellowship with them out of the same pursuit which Jesus had, which is love for them with the intent of restoring them into fellowship with the Father. Hanging out around sinners is not the antidote. It's having God's heart for them and vision and, 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 and partnering with God just like Jesus did to see what God wants to do in their lives. And so if you look with me in verse 3, the Pharisees have just complained. They've sent an accusation against Jesus. Now listen to this. So he spoke this parable to them. Everything that we're about to read is in response to the Pharisees and scribes and what they just said. That's the problem. You're not even pursuing out of love God's love for the sinner. So he began to speak these things to them. And I'm going to warn you right now, we're about to read the rest of Luke 15 together, okay? Verse 4, out of the New King James. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who have no need of repentance. And then he goes into another parable, the parable of the lost coin, verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which, which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then he concludes the chapter with this final parable, the parable of the prodigal son. Verse 11. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and it began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent, into, sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, and had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put on a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this son 
was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. And now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and so he called to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, and he would not go in. And therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. And so he answered and said to his father, Look, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you have never given me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and now is found. Fellowship is the pursuit of heaven. As I said earlier in verse 1 and 2, it says that Jesus, listen to this, received sinners, which would mean that original language, that would mean to enter into discourse and into relationship. He received sinners and he ate with them. He ate with them. That's breaking bread. There's something intimate that happens over the sharing of a meal. It's like sharing your life. It's sharing your stuff. It's sharing your evening. It's their sharing together that happens over a meal. And that's what Jesus did with sinners with an intention of reaching them. And I want to ask ourselves the question, would we be accused of the religious today, by the religious today, of being the same? Are we mixing with sinners? In 2024, I think it is imperative that if the heart of heaven is to manifest through us, his church, that we are mixing, not mixing as in being influenced by the world, by those who aren't following Jesus, but going to them in love with, with fellowship, with, with relationship, receiving them, if you will. Being around, well, I've already said that. Fellowship is about proximity. You'll notice in verse 13 of, of Luke 15, it says, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. That means distance, proximity. That's what was lost. It was space. It was the space between the father and his beloved son. It's about distance. And I want to ask us to hear that for ourselves even. Is there distance? Have we wandered? Oftentimes we wander in our own relationship with God because of that thing that we spoke of earlier. We forget that he's good. I mean, usually that's the case. We just forget that he's good. Or we, like the prodigal son, get onto our own thing and forget all about the wisdom of God and just kind of do our own thing and don't even care about his wisdom, go do our own thing and have to beat our heads against the wall. It's about proximity. It's about being close. And you'll notice that when the prodigal son was returning, it says that the father saw him afar off. It's all about distance. God's heart breaks for us to be close with him in 2024. But can I add to that? God's heart breaks for the lost to be close with him. God desires there to be a people on the earth whose heart would break with his for the lost. There is a passion that sent Jesus to a cross. 
his feelings are strong about the lost. And I'm sure that there's, to some degree, I don't know if frustration is the right word, but I'll use it, with there being a church who receive and want to receive all the blessings but aren't carrying the whole point, which is those who don't yet know him. That's, that's, you want to know what hell, heaven is celebrating? I mean, even, even in our own testimonies as we share like what, what God's done, it's awesome, I love hearing what, what God's done, but what's heaven celebrating? What's the testimony time, the praise report time amongst the angels in heaven? It's about sinners repenting. Yeah, sure, it's about the, all the other stuff. I'm not saying the other stuff is irrelevant. But you hear what I'm saying? What we're about to read, or what we just read, sh- says a little something different. The restoration of the prodigal was nearness. In verse 31, it says, And he said to him, Son, this is speaking to the other, not the prodigal son, but the one who represented the religious, the, the older son. Son, you are always, listen to this, with me. And all that I have is yours. It's about nearness. The whole issue is about nearness. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. God is calling us to draw near to him, but God is calling us to draw near to the lost so that the lost are also brought near again to God. Am I making sense? Yes, I am. Good. Restored fellowship. So we just said fellowship is the pursuit of heaven. Restored fellowship is what heaven celebrates. So let's look at that thing of the lost sheep. Verse 5. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, listen to this, rejoicing. That's celebration. Verse 6. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me. In fact, can I point out, that's a party. It's one thing for the shepherd to be rejoicing as they found the lost sheep, but he also goes to his friends and his neighbors and he wants to gather them together to rejoice. Well, what does, what does it mean to rejoice with me? It's a party. I mean, I imagine they didn't just like all show up at the house and go, okay, yay! You know, there was like a event called a party. And that's going to be relevant as we get into this. For I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise, Jesus says, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Restored fellowship is what heaven celebrates. Look at the parable of the lost coin. Verse 8, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it, and when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me. Are you hearing that again? It's a party. She's not just happy for herself. She's actually like calling her friends and neighbors around to, to have a party. For I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What Jesus is saying is that heaven has a party. When somebody turns from being lost to, to being found, to, re, to being restored into fellowship with the Father. Have you ever looked for something that's lost any of you ever had that it's a bad feeling isn't it especially like if it's a silver coin like this lady here i mean it's like of great value there's great ramifications if you lose it even just psychologically right you're turning over the the couch you know you're 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 sliding your fingers in between the couch cushions 
then you're taking the cushions off and you're looking under the couch and you're looking under the carpet and right, you know what I'm talking about. You're going into the room and looking around. You go into that room and then you go back into that room. Did I miss it? Uh, you know that whole thing. You're you are it, you are hot in pursuit, right? You, you Thirty minutes goes by and you didn't even realize it. It's like you know you're you're looking for this thing. I want to ask us to think of lost people in our world, in our work, in our school, our neighborhood, our hobbies, and just say, heaven searches desperately, just like that woman, for the soul, for the, res- for the fellowship of anyone in that, those groups that are lost. Let's get a picture of that as we enter back into our lives in 2024 That is what is happening in in the heart of heaven. God is about fellowship. He has created us for intimacy. The brokenness is not just sin. Sin is not just the issue. Sin is the barrier to fellowship. Fellowship is the issue. That's what God is after. Not just making sinners good, which is usually what the church wants. Sinners need to repent and become like me, no. Restored into fellowship. In fact, with their sin, because if re- truth is told, every single one of us still has sin in our lives. And God has called us into, by his grace, into fellowship to be able to work a work so that we can become more and more like him despite having still a sin nature. The issue is fellowship. And ask ourselves the question, am I seeking restored fellowship of those who don't have it with God the way that that woman with the lost coin is seeking for the coin? The more in tune with his heart we are, the more we will be like that. I don't know if you can overturn cushions looking for or whatever, but it's it's with the same drive. And I'm praying over my own heart. Let me, God, let me burn in, with passion like you do for, for the lost. Look at the prodigal son, verse 22. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and bring a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. What are we talking about? Restored fellowship is what heaven celebrates. There is a Once again, in all three parables that Jesus shares here, it's not just that the person who receives back what they lost rejoices. In all three accounts, they're inviting others to come join with me. Let's have a party over this thing. And what I want to challenge us with, challenge, I don't know if that's the best word, but what I want to encourage us, inspire us for 2024, let us as a church seek the restoration of the lost with such fervency that you and I this year, as people begin through what, how God uses us, as people begin to cross that line and be restored to God, as people give their lives to Jesus, come to faith in Jesus, that we are having a party. And I want to say, let 2024 have a whole bunch of those parties. Because that's the party that's going on in heaven. I want to be a part of that party. But it begins with the church who is seeking what heaven is seeking. And you and I tend to seek our bills getting paid, our thing, our thing, our thing, our thing. And God it cares about your thing, but in the context of his thing. This is his thing. You seek his thing, he'll take care of your thing. What, 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 
rejoices heaven and what should rejoice the church is this. And it's not just about church membership only. It's not even just about doctrinal confession of some biblical truth, although that's important. Church membership is important as well. But that's not it. It's restored fellowship. That's the goal, my friends. That's what we're looking for, is people today who do not know Jesus. Maybe they once did, and they have got a skewed version of it, or never met him. Either way, they don't see him, know him clearly today to restore them into seeing the real Jesus and walking with him just like we are. That's what we're pursuing. So fellowship is the pursuit of heaven. Restored fellowship is what heaven celebrates. How does that happen? Fellowship is the means of restoring fellowship. What are you talking about, Paul? Go back to where we started in verse 2. The Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man, Jesus, receives sinners and eats with them. How are these sinners being restored? Because Jesus didn't wait for them to come to him. He went to them in love and said, sit down, have a seat, eat with me, share life with me. He received them. Oh, that's such a big thing. Some, some in the church, and not all, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, but just trust me, there are some in the church who don't even have an unbelieving friend. Like, don't even have it. I mean, I've got, like, coworkers and stuff, but, like, they're not my friends. Well, why aren't they friends? Because they cuss all the time. Is that Jesus' attitude? I don't have friends with them. I mean, they're just bad attitudes and having adultery with some, uh, cheating on their wife. I'm not going to be friends. Is that Jesus' attitude? Let me just explain to you. The tax collectors and sinners, that was the worst of the worst of the sinners in that, in that culture. So some people in the church have that attitude, but then there are others who are like, yeah, well, I hang around sinners all the time. Who cares? You know, you know. But but you're also not exactly where Jesus is because Je- aren't we pursuing the salvation of their souls? What I'm saying is make friends with sinners with an intent of being able to, s- by some means, love and serve them so that some a bridge of trust is built to where what is in us can get through us and into them. That is, that's our mission. So to lead the lost into fellowship with himself, Jesus practiced fellowship with them. He demonstrated some part of what it was that he ultimately wanted to give them, which was, which was fellowship. And you may say, well, like, I don't get it, because like, if he's having fellowship with them, then how do they need to be restored to fellowship? The re- fellowship is restored when they see Jesus for who he is and choose to follow him. It's when you see Jesus as Lord and follow him, then you are relating to him as he is, not just hanging around Jesus. And we have people hanging around church, hanging around other Christians. There's a difference between that and seeing Jesus as Messiah and saying, I leave all to follow you. That's what we're wanting to see people ha- have happen. But how does that even, how do we get there? We, we start hanging around them. hope that makes sense. We, 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 we receive them. We give to them. This is the method that most believers will use to be able to reach people. And what I mean by that is God has equipped some in his church to have preaching and teaching gifts, to have like this thing, you know, like 
Most in the church are never going to hold a microphone. They're never going to have a stage. They're never going to be preaching. But yet God has commissioned the entire church to be a part of this mission. How will most people fulfill that end of the commission? Not through preaching. That's what we think. We think preaching the gospel is all about like having your three-point sermon and a, a poem. Preaching the gospel is what Jesus was demonstrating there. What he was demonstrating, you can do too. Fellowship, meal, knowing them, inviting them in. This is the method most believers will actually use uh, to fulfill this end of the commission. And so in 2024, we're going to end it here. I just want to say very simple. Focus for our plans, for our vision, for our dreams, for our aspirations, our pursuit to be aligned with heaven. This is, this is it. Simple, simple, simple. Draw near to God and draw, firstly, and secondly, draw near to the lost so that they're brought near to God. That's it. It all starts with draw near to God. And perhaps, maybe, we might be able to say it actually starts with us believing that he's good so that we are inspired to draw near to him. But having drawn near, drawn near to him, we, gain, we should gain something of his heart. Even if it's just gaining his heart for me, that helps me to have his heart for other people. But ultimately, what we want to be is a vessel on this earth of his heart for people. And we can't give away fellowship with God if we aren't ha firstly having it ourselves. And you know, how hypocritical is that, by the way, that we're trying to preach the gospel to the lost to restore them to fellowship, and we aren't even fellowshipping with them. We're going to church, we're doing this stuff, we're ticking all the religious boxes, but we're not having fellowship with them. It's the degree that we have fellowship, truly draw near to God, that we have what it is that the lost need, which is him, his presence. Draw near to God, and then from that place, draw near to those who aren't following him in love so that what is in us can get to them. Sound good? I want to invite you to do that. I want to invite you to begin dreaming, to begin opening up your heart, opening up the things of your life. Some of you this year may be hosting dinners in your house strategically with intentionality to connect people who are lost with you and connecting perhaps them with even with other spiritually mature Christians in your life and, and, and just seeing what God does. Some of you may be wanting to reach out in love to people that you know who are lost. Maybe, maybe instead of just looking at them and saying, oh, that's, that's Mary or that's Bob or that's Joe or uh, I should name names who aren't in the room. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. That's, I don't know, Terrence. <laughs> just looking at them naturally, look at them through the eyes of heaven and, 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 and ask God, you know, is, is, can, I, can I show love today to some of these people? Maybe is there something on my heart? I can send them an encouraging text. Maybe uh, just share something encouraging. Uh, Mickey shared with me before the service that he got his hair cut. Guy said he's having some kind of like a physical problem. Holy Spirit put on his heart. Pray for the guy. The guy went back to go get his get his uh, jacket before Mickey was leaving, and and he and, and, and Mickey kind of cornered him and uh, said, "Can I pray for you?" That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. And he wants to follow up to see the results, regardless if he's seeing manifestation of healing or not. And I want to trust that he is. Uh, that has an impact. That somebody cared enough about me that he wanted to pray for me. 
Uh, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Just being in the zone with the Holy Spirit, with God, to be useful to him for those who don't yet know him. <laughs> Can I say this? We must see the lost restored to fellowship this year. I'm, yes. It, to me, this I said at the end of the Christmas service, I went home and I said to my family, next year, we are seeing people get saved. Uh, yeah. That's it. We're, we're seeing it. And, and you can say, well, what's the plan? Well, I've got some ideas and stuff, and I'm praying about it, but before anything else, the plan is, firstly, get before him. Seek him. Be led by him. Be organic. Be a part of his heart. Yes, I believe, have, I believe in having plans and, and thoughts and ideas and all that kind of stuff, but, but that's the first thing. That's what we want to do. And I'm inviting all of you as the church to join us in that pursuit. We want to see restoration of fellowship. We can do that. I think we can be partnered with Jesus who went into every city and village preaching the good news of the kingdom of God and the disciples were with him. Let's pray.